Hi, my name is Becky B, and this is episode 18 of the Concentrated Grounder Cast, five-minute commentary on the CW's The Hundred. Today I'm talking about 309, Stealing Fire. After a three-week hiatus, The Hundred is back with another heartbreaker. There were even more deaths this episode, Lincoln being the major one, and then Titus and Aiden and the other Nightbloods. Let's start with Titus. Titus is a character that surprised me. I've been waffling all season. Is he good or is he bad? In the end, I just have to say that he was just a man doing what he thought was right for his people. I don't think anyone was surprised that Clark wanted to steal the flame to prevent Antari from becoming commander. What did surprise me was that Titus agreed with Clark and ultimately made Clark a flamekeeper. She became a freaking flamekeeper, people! Lots of fans speculated that Clark might become the next commander, but I don't think anyone guessed that she would become a flamekeeper. And now that Titus is dead, she's the only flamekeeper. Titus sacrificed himself in the end for the good of his people, yes, but in his dying breath he says it was for Lexa. Titus falls into a bathtub used for sanctification, water symbolically washing away his guilt. Lincoln, too, sacrificed himself for his people, Lincoln hasn't had a lot to do this season, which is a shame because he's always been one of my favorites. But if Lincoln had to die, at least he got a heroic death. Kudos to the director here, and I'm going to slaughter her name, Uta Bretzweitz, who, if you add this episode to her other Bodyguards of Lies, is now officially my favorite director of The Hundred. There were some beautiful images here that made Lincoln's surrender seem truly heartbreaking. And like Titus... Lincoln, too, fell into water. The heavy rain throughout the scene, rather than cleansing, felt more like weeping. And I'm not sure if it was scripted that way, or if it's just really rainy in Vancouver, but the overall effect was tragically beautiful. And Lincoln's last words, May we meet again, intrigued the slang, seemed especially fitting. It was great to see so much Octavia this episode, and her reaction to Lincoln's death was so very Octavia. You saw it all in her face. It went from anguish to grief to cold, steely resolution. Now, if you believe that the fridging trope can apply to men as well as women, I think it could be a fair criticism to say that Lincoln was fridged. He's been fridged this whole season, stuck in a cell with nothing to do, and then being killed in a dramatic and public way, all to motivate and spur Octavia's character. But it isn't as clear-cut as Gina's obvious fridging was earlier in the season. Speaking of fridging, let's talk about Aiden's death. So many other things happened in this episode that it might be easy to forget that seven children were slaughtered in their sleep. And then Aiden's head was held up for display. This is one time I'm glad the hundred exercised restraint in what they showed on screen, and all the violence was only implied. Still, the slaughtering of these children, who loved Lexa, and Lexa surely loved them in return, was horrendous. If they wanted to convince us that Antari is a bad person, then they succeeded. Four final notes. I actually liked Murphy in this episode. He had some good lines, and he was smart. He and Antari had good chemistry, and I hope to see more of them in the future. I'll be interested to see if they follow through with this guise of Murphy being a flamekeeper initiate. Number two, Cabby! Number three, I love that Clark pointed out how stupid the Ascension traditions were. 
It's really brutal. This tradition forces a child to kill all their friends to become the commander. I hope we learn more about this when we finally meet Luna, who we learned from Lincoln in season one is a leader of a clan by the sea. It would be nice to see if we learned that she and Lexa were friends, which would explain why she ran and why Lexa did not pursue her. Number four. When we see Clark fleeing Polis on horseback, not only does she look amazing, but we see that she is keeping the flame tucked safely against her heart. We're at the halfway point in this season, and the twists in this episode send Clark off in search of Luna, and Kane and his people are free from Arcadia to start plotting against Pike. And at this point, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen next. This has been Becky B. for the Concentrated Groundercast. Thanks for listening. You can catch me on Twitter or Tumblr at Groundercast. <laughs>